Somehow the NBA draft is in just three days. What is the latest buzz about the Indiana Pacers via some reports and Vice President of Player Personnel Ryan Carr speaking to the media talking a bit about the Pacers draft. We'll talk about all of it today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today we are talking about the draft. Duh, it's draft week. It's time to dive in to all the latest surrounding the Pacers draft, what they could do, what they couldn't do, what all could be going on. Their vice president of player personnel, Ryan Carr, spoke to us uh, today in the media availability, got a little bit of insight into how the Pacers are thinking. And quite frankly, he talked a lot about something that I've been struggling to articulate, but I'll kind of say here, it's just like the Pacers have all these assets and all these picks and all these needs potentially and all these directions that make sense to the point that they could do so many things. They could do so many things that make sense. And the reporting suggests that as we'll kind of cut through today. And the fact that they could do so many things and it would be considered a smart strategy means I just kind of shrug. There's a lot the Pacers could do. And guessing is hard. But reading reports can help and can be a way to identify what the next steps for the Pacers are. If you're interested in the first batch of Pacers reports, we talked about Mark Stein's report on the Pacers potentially trying to move up in the first round. Uh, Jake Fisher talking about the Pacers searching for starting power forwards at the past trade deadline and potentially still uh, now, including a Rui Achimura pursuit. Uh, Bobby Clintman and more on the first round of Pacers rumor report. That was last Monday. We'll continue doing these. We'll do a free agency one next week once the draft is over. Today, we'll continue on with a new batch of reports. The first one we'll start with is actually one report, but from two different people saying basically identical things. And that is that the Pacers are interested in potentially trading the seventh overall pick for a wing player. This comes from both Brian Windhorst and Chris Haynes, two of the most plugged in people in basketball when it comes to reporting. They know lots of people. They can corroborate things. They can figure it out. Let's say, let's hear it. What they said, Brian Windhorst on Brian Windhorst and the Hoop Collective, one of ESPN's many great basketball podcasts, said, quote, Indiana has been talking to people about the seventh pick. I have been told they've been trying to get wing players. They've been trying to move out of the seventh pick to get a high-level wing player now, which, frankly, they might be able to do if they're motivated enough unsurprising in terms of what this means, right? The Pacers have said that they've been aggressive in pursuing some of these guys, uh, as Kevin Pritchard alluded to in his post-trade deadline press conference. Uh, they want to be better next year. They want to make the playoffs. They've We've heard that from the front office coaching staff and players, including Tyrese Halliburton. And the seventh pick is a fantastic asset. They have five draft picks. If you can get a talented wing player, you should probably do it because they're really hard to get. This report came out in the morning of um, lap, four, four or five days ago, uh, last Thursday or Friday. And then later in the same day, Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report published a notebook uh, of talking about some of the stuff he's been hearing from around the league. And he said, the Indiana Pacers have made the number seven pick available for a trade. Sources tell Bleacher Report, the Pacers are said to be in the market for a starting caliber wing. 
there we go. Very, very similar reporting and language from two different reporters about what the Pacers could be considering. And again, like I just detailed a little bit after the Windhorse part, it makes a lot of sense, right? It, it, that That is, again, something I led with for this show. One of the troubles of trying to dissect what the Pacers could do is there's a lot of stuff that makes sense. There's good sense in a patient approach and picking some players and making some smaller moves and going forward in the future. But if they believe in their team now and they have an all-star who they believe could be something special on their team at just 23 and the parts to get something talented now and they haven't made the playoffs in three years, there's decent sense in going for it right now as well, especially if the right opportunity presents itself, right? There is no wrong answer. It's part of the genius of the Pacers flexibility plan they've had for so long. The only wrong answer is doing two paths at the same time. Committing to one is in fact the best way forward. Either way, this report uh, is of course a good option for the Pacers to me, assuming the right player is available, right? And these trades are always really tricky. Something I've been trying to stress uh, throughout this process is is it's very, very rare that a team with a top 10 pick, especially one in a draft this strong, trades the pick and does not get a, a good pick back in the same draft, even throughout the recent history of teams trading top 10 picks, right? Recently, we saw, I think this was the DeAndre Hunter trade was four and we'll talk about DeAndre Hunter later fittingly was four and bad salary and future seconds and 57 for 817 and 35 six the Jarrett Culver pick a few years ago went for 11 and Dario Saric a recently good lotto pick Lucas pick was three it went for five and the top 10 pick the next year Tatum was three or excuse me the first pick that year was Fultz it went for three and an unprotected future first seven went to Chicago for Jimmy Butler and 16 16 went back to Minnesota as well in that trade. Zach Levine, Chris Dunn also involved, right? In the Marquise Chris trade, when he went to the Suns with the eighth pick, Bogdan Bogdanovich, 13 and 28, went to the Kings. I could go on and on. The only time you see teams fully trading out is like Kevin Love, Anthony Davis kind of trades, and the Pacers are not in that level of market. We're talking Kevin Love to the Cavs, to be clear, forever ago, right? We're not ta- we Maybe we're talking about that kind of player, I suppose, for the Pacers, but I do not imagine that we are, uh, or else that would be something that is a little easier to connect the dots for. All this to say, I do not envision this report, meaning the Pacers are trading seven for a player, and their best pick in this draft will be 26. I interpret it as the Pacers are looking at seven for a really good wing and another first-round pick. Now, I could be wrong about that, but that's just how history of having these really good picks details what that could look like. Who could the player be? Good question, listener, who didn't actually ask that question. I don't know uh, is my official stance. I have not asked anyone in the league, hey, which 10 wings could the Pacers pursue? Because they would just kind of laugh at me for asking such a question. But I can use uh, my brain and I can use what I've heard in the past to connect some dots and I can use past reporting to connect some dots. So here are some names that I suppose could be part of this. OG Ananobi, duh. We've heard that one for forever and ever with the Pacers. Hey, the Raptors have 13. That goes back to what I just said. Pascal Siakam with the Raptors as well. Who knows what the Raptors are going to do? Do the Raptors know what the Raptors are going to do? Um, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, because the Pelicans want Scoot Henderson, could there be some three-team shenanigans going on here? I don't know, but if either of those players are available, 
my God, would they fit the Pacers really well, especially Brandon Ingram. No idea if either of them are actually available. No idea if Ananobi or Siakam are available, to be totally clear. <coughs> Just reading the tea leaves of the NBA and what the Pacers have. Jonathan Kuminga with the Warriors, if he were to come available. He's not worth the seventh pick, to be clear. The Warriors would have to include more in that trade, but he's good. He would start for the Pacers, I presume. Sadiq Bey is probably the worst player that the Hawks could have a package of Sadiq Bey plus other stuff. I probably wouldn't even include seven in that, but just thinking of starting caliber wing players that I guess could be available, Sadiq Bey, I suppose. An actually good player on the Hawks, though, and one that I said I'd get to, DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter is young, under contract for a long time, and talented. The Kevin Pritchard special on the wing, and we got a report from Jake Fisher uh, last week that the Pacers were reportedly interested in him at the trade deadline in February. Um, I'm not going to lie. I shrug at that a little bit. Not that I don't think the Pacers did or didn't have interest. Jake's good at this job. But he had a poison pill contract this past season because of a rookie extension. So trading for him would have been super hard. <laughs> super, super hard, especially after the Pacers used their cap space on Miles Turner. So maybe they had interest, but that trade was not plausible then. Either way, sometimes interest can carry over from transaction cycles. He would be a potentially as young and talented player in the mix for a seven-pick package. Obviously, I think a little more would have to come from the Hawks. These are just some names. I'm just throwing names at a wall. Uh, Kuminga and Bay, obviously, trading seven for them would be ridiculously stupid. There would have to be more coming for our, on top of those guys. But the rest of them are you know, the wing caliber you'd expect in a trade involving seven. That's just guesses. That is just guesses. I'm reporting nothing. Um, but... If it does happen, I don't know. Something something with those makes some sense, I guess, given what's out there. Uh, if you think I missed anybody, comment below if you're listening on YouTube or tweet at me at Tony R. East. Speaking of trades, the Pacers' other picks are probably going to be traded in some way. Maybe not all of them. We'll see. But for what? Well, more reporting, potentially connecting those dots for us as well. Let's talk about that uh, in our next segment, Veteran Trades, a trade I made in the Lockdown Mock Draft, potentially perfect for this example before we talk about that though i want to talk to you guys about better help this episode is brought to you by better help it's so easy to get caught up in everybody else needs from you but never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself it's important you spend time on yourself in a given week and not only invest in other people if you spend all your time giving you can feel stretched thin and burned out therapy can help you give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. It's important for me to think about this, and I think it's important for everybody to think about this. Therapy can have so many benefits in your life. Positive coping skills, setting boundaries, empowering you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for people who've experienced major trauma. It's so much more than that. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch at any time. No additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockdownNBA. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. The big news is still the same as it was for yesterday's show. So for your second listen, Lockdown Wizards, Lockdown Suns for the latest on the Bradley Beal to Phoenix trade, which keeps evolving a little bit. Somehow, Chris Paul is going to be rerouted somewhere. Uh, the Wizards could have a little more on that on their side. Fascinating trade. No trade clauses. Bad. No trade clauses. Turns out are bad. Hey, Miles Turner is eligible for one in 11 days. 
He's not going to get one. I'm just making a joke. Uh, let's continue on the rumor front. We've covered quite a few of them already in this draft cycle. Next up, let's dive in back to Jake Fisher, who we were just talking about to close out. Uh, oh, this isn't Jake Fisher. Excuse me. Uh, Jeremy Wu of ESPN. Let's continue by talking about something Jeremy Wu reported in one of ESPN's recent mock drafts. Apologies to Jake Fisher. I'm sure we'll talk about something he has to say. He said again. In fact, I know we will when we get to the free agency stuff. Jeremy Wu now of ESPN. Congrats to Jeremy Wu, formerly of SI. Fantastic reporter on the draft. He says, quote, the Pacers have been engaged in trade talks involving the numbers 26, 29, and 32 picks as they continue to weigh the best path forward. Look, that is very unsurprising to anyone who has been keeping up with the Pacers in this cycle. Kevin, I included it in my story about this intel from Wu. Kevin Pritchard has said it, I believe, at least three times on the record, perhaps more. If my memory fails, the Pacers can't bring in five rookies next year. Mostly because no team can bring in five rookies. It's almost impossible to have a team that has that many rookies and compete, and the Pacers want to compete. Kevin Pritchard's most recent uh, quote was, we're not going to keep all five picks, but there's just a lot of things we could do. My guess is we'll get a lot of offers for those picks too. I mean, maybe they make four, but maybe they make three, two, or three seems like the most likely number given the Pacers' current infrastructure. They had three last year, and they did pretty well. But it's hard to replicate that, especially because then you have, you know, four or five first or second year players in your rotation and a lot of youth in general, not necessarily conducive to the winning strategy. You, I don't have to keep explaining this. I'm probably over explaining it. You get why the Pacers want veterans instead of young players. And perhaps they're looking to trade 26, 29 and 32 to figure out their best path forward. Now, that doesn't mean they're trading those picks for other players. We'll get to some they could, but... That could mean a lot of things. That could mean trading for vets. That could mean packaging all those to move up. That could mean packaging those for something else, which I will explain one of my favorite draft ideas I've come up with recently. But that could mean a lot of things. For example, could they get 17? Could they trade all three of those, or maybe even the best two of those, for the 17th pick, currently owned by the Los Angeles Lakers, who have very little young talent and perhaps could want more, especially with the way the new CBA is impacting the league. These first-round rookie seal contracts could be important. There's not a lot of teams, to me, that make sense as a team that would want more worse picks, right? It's kind of a hard balance to strike. The Nets, before they made their big trades, would have been good, but now they aren't, and they have two of their own picks in the 20s already. They might not need more. Miami, I suppose, could in their situation. Uh, they're at 18, one behind the Lakers, but there's not a lot of obvious fits to me for a deal like this. Either way, something like that makes a lot of sense, right? Then the Pacers walk out with pick seven or whatever and 17. Maybe they package seven with these three and their pick next year or something and get to five. I don't know. Something like that also makes sense uh, to me. Uh, that That is actually the most reasonable way for the Pacers to trade up, in my opinion, is using only picks to do it. Just because then you don't have to choose a path as quickly in terms of your own assets, using your space, whatever that could be. Uh, another option for this, my creative idea, uh, is what if the Pacers could trade 26 and 29 to name your team, but pick one you think will be bad in four or five seasons. For for whatever team you trade those picks to, 2026 or 2027 first round pick. Let's say lottery protected, right? 
because no team's going to give up an unprotected pick for two crappy firsts. The reason you do that as the Pacers is young talent to the Pacers right now, maybe not that helpful, right? We just talked about this. They don't want to bring in five rookies, but they have the picks now. But then 2026, 2027, whenever they could do this random thing, they would need young, cheap talent. Tyrese Halburn will be expensive. Benedict Matherin will be expensive. Andrew Nembard could be coming up on that. Whoever they pick in the draft this year could be coming up on that. Or whoever they trade for could be, you know, in the later years of their deal. Plus any other moves they make along the way. They have a decent star trade package. They could want extra picks at that time, right? To bring in cheap talent, to bring in someone on a rookie scale deal to add to their team. I think that makes a lot of sense for them to consider. I mean, trading for any future pick truly is smart, given that they have too many picks in the draft this year. But something like that makes a lot of sense to me. But the last thing they could do, which of course makes sense, is trade one, two, three of these picks for a veteran. Maybe straight up, maybe not. Maybe two of them for one of these guys. I don't know. But of course, for a team that wants to be good next year, good players are helpful. If you walk out of the draft with the seventh pick, whoever you pick, as well as a good quality veteran to back that guy up or something. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. But, you know, that it makes sense as a value play to me as well. Or you consolidate the salary that it would take to get this player plus this player. Then you save your cap space for a signing, right? There's a lot of ways the Pacers can be clever. There's a lot of smart paths for them. I've said that a million times because it's true. Either way, trading these picks straight up for talent, of course, makes sense to me. If you want to trade both or all three, John Collins. What about John Collins? He's good. And apparently has a very low price tag because the Hawks can't get rid of him. I don't know. He'd be a good fit with the Pacers. He's young and under contract for a long time. Some of these guys that would only take one pick to get maybe. The one I made in the Locked On Mock Draft with the Nets, fittingly, who wanted more picks. Royce O'Neal. Good wing. One year left on his deal. So maybe not something you want to commit a first round or two, but a good player at the four. Pacers could use him. He can shoot and defend. Reggie Bullock, same kind of thing. Dallas could use some youth. Uh, Gary Harris with Orlando, an Indian native as well, can play on the wing, can shoot it, can defend a little bit. Robert Covington with the Clippers, can shoot and defend a little bit, can play the forward spot. And Torian Prince. Torian Prince with the six, uh, the Sixers, excuse me, the Timberwolves. Could any of those players be had for one of those three picks? They would immediately be in the Pacers' rotation, right? They're all good and talented and can defend and the Pacers need that and most of them can shoot it a little bit and in the case of Collins is young and under contract for a long time which the Pacers tend to value although he is certainly overpaid and there's a reason the Hawks have been potentially not keeping keen on keeping him excuse me for forever and ever but those are just some names that I pulled out of a hat basically of like the, their value makes sense they're not so good that their current team is going to be crushed if they have to trade them but they could be had for a late first or the pack combination of some of those picks. So what the Pacers do with those is anyone's guess, right? Move up, move down, move out, whatever. There's smartness to any of those strategies. But some of the moves I just explained, a much di farther distant first makes more sense than a, sh a, a more recently coming, more soon coming first. That was terrible English. Uh, and also uh, a 4-5 makes a lot more sense to me than like a t trading them for sooner out firsts. But those trades could go a number of different ways. Either way, it makes sense that they're shopping them. Good reporting from Jeremy Wu. One more segment today. Let's talk about what 
Ryan Carr, the vice president of player personnel, said after his at his media availability today, we got to hear from him. We hear from him after the final Pacers draft workout every single year. Said some interesting stuff. Lots of O words, which we'll get to to close out today's show. Before we do that, though, got to talk to you guys about Ibotta groceries. School shopping is going to be coming in like a month and a half somehow. Getting a little something for yourself. You're already doing all that. Why not get cash back for it? With Ibotta, you can earn a cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns 120 bucks a year in real cash back. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, the game you've been dying to go to, the fancy dinner you've been craving. A typical basket of groceries was over $50 more expensive at the end of 2022 than the beginning due to inflation. You can earn two and a half times that in cash back from Ibotta or even more depending on how you, you much you use the app. You get real cash back, not points, and you can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying it. Sign up with the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use the code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play Store or the App Store with that promo code LOCKED. Thank you, as always, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today. And every single day for your second listen. The other big news in the NBA today, Draymond Green opting out of his player option. Unsurprising opt-out of $27 million. Locked on Warriors for the latest on that. I would bet he stays in Golden State on a contract that's about exactly as long as Steph Curry's. But that is just my guess. Let's continue talking about Pacers draft latest reporting, rumoring, whatever. This is neither reporting nor rumoring. This is Ryan Carr speaking on the record. The vice president of player personnel for the Pacers. Been with the franchise for over two decades. Started in the video room. Quite the journey he's had with the Pacers. We get to talk to him once a year, the same time after the final Pacers draft workouts. And we'll cover that. If you're here and you're wondering, hey, I read a rumor about Harrison Barnes and Grant Williams. Why aren't you covering that? Those are free agency rumors. We will get to those next week. For now, I want to talk about what Ryan Carr happened to say today and he used a lot of o words and he even made that joke himself he used the word options a lot and he used the word opportunity a lot and then he said i keep saying those two o words <laughs> which was pretty funny uh to me but they basically like any move and i think that is kind of my big takeaway from him saying the words options and opportunity so much and i think you could see that in the process right i've been a part of probably three really seriously at least in terms of coverage for Pacers pre-draft processes. They've had lottery picks three years in a row now. They brought in something like 40 guys last year uh, in in like 12 workouts or something. It's about the same the last two years. This year, 16 workouts, 63 players. A crazy number. That's more than will be picked, <laughs> right? Like they brought in a full draft worth of players and there's no downside to that, right? You get to know them better. And that's the most important part to me. Like I say this a lot on this show, but you know they've been tracking these guys for years. They know how good they are. They mostly have a fully formed opinion of their abilities. The workout itself on the court, of course, matters. But how they act, what they say, that's the really important stuff. And that information is valuable for years and years and years, not just for the draft process. Bringing in as many guys as you can is smart, but especially so, as Carr stressed, when you have five picks, and you never know what you could do. You could do so 
many things to move around, right? He said, with the number of picks, it's an awesome opportunity to get way more guys in and get to know them. It's been a lot of fun. And when you have so many picks, too, agents recognize, hey, there's a chance the Pacers could pick my player. Let's set up something there. So, you know, they haven't had many drafts with this many picks and options. And that's why this one was so hectic. And hectic's the wrong word. That's why this one was so busy bringing in 63 guys. But now they're done. The thing they do now is they rank the players, they get them in an order that kind of heats up trade conversations among teams because when they're in their orders and they're in their tiers, it's a lot easier to go, okay, we want this and this, and this team has this and this, let's make that happen. It's not as easy until the tiers are finalized and everything's all kind of set in stone. It's very rare that you see what the Thunder and Nuggets did, a trade during the finals, a trade a couple weeks before the draft instead of right before it, although I think both of those teams' goals were really obvious in this draft anyway, so they got it done early. doesn't matter. I'm rambling. Uh, but now that the workouts are done, Pacers will be setting up their board, getting fully set up their board, I guess I should say, and moving forward. Carr was kind of talking about what the Pacers could do with those options and opportunities, right? Because they have five picks, they could trade into any number of slots in the draft or trade out or, again, do so many things. That's why he kept using those two O words. He said, and I quote, I think there are just a ton of opportunities this year with all these picks, different things that could come up. With all the picks, there's other teams that may be interested in getting some of those picks. We're interested in the picks and finding out where we can get value for players in each place that we could pick. Smart, good job dodging any specific numbers of picks, uh, which is important because they could trade up, they could trade down, they could trade out. You've heard me say it a ton on this episode. They have the options, and he stressed it with that quote. And that's the importance of ranking the guys. So you know, is it worth trading 26 and 29 so we can get somebody we love who's still available at X pick or whatever? He said a ton of options again later, and they've had success in the past with some of these guys. The thing I wanted to learn more about, and I kind of want to learn more about this every year, is what did they learn from their last draft, right? The success or failures of it. This year, Ben, their best pick for the Pacers in a while, and he talked about how they learned a lot about player mentality, right? Ben has the perfect mentality to be a good player and to develop in the NBA. He wants to be coached hard. He truly wants to be great. He requests that of himself. He requests that Coaches treat him in a way that will allow him to do that. Seeing that mentality up close kind of made them realize how important that can be. And I think they knew that, you know, but they learned more about how that can be helpful for draft prospects. Nemard also helping them with that. They nailed that pick at 31. And so I'm always curious what they learn from these prospects. I think that was a big takeaway from Matherin and his extremely successful rookie season. I also asked about how Halliburton matters in this process, both as a player who, of course, having him on the team makes drafting a lot easier. You can fit a lot of other guys in, but also he's involved in the process. I've seen him at a bunch of workouts and they really value his voice, right? He loves basketball. He's a junkie. He knows the game. He understands what the Pacers need better than anyone, right? Having his input is, of course, important to this team. Carr also talked about that, but I think the big takeaway was the O words, the options the opportunities. He said it again late in the presser. He said, the more options, the better, the more picks, the more things you can do with it, more opportunities. And then, you know, every year he said their preparation is the same. They do as much homework as they can. They rank the players one through 60. They add their undrafted free agents to the bottom and they get their scenarios ready to go. The difference being this year is they have more picks and they have a bunch of strategies that make sense and could guide the Pacers forward. 
in a meaningfully smart way, whether that's going for it, staying patient, trading up, trading down, trading out. I keep repeating that over and over and over again because I'm trying to hammer through that I don't think there's a best strategy for the Pacers. I think it's wherever the most value is. And that's going to be the hard part for them to determine. And it's it's not known for the public, right? It's not as obvious as it could be in past years because I don't know what trades are available to them or what other teams are asking for for the stuff that they want. So we'll see what happens here. I think the long-term approach is probably the best for the Pacers, but we'll see how they handle it because they have so many ways they could go. They have so many options. They have a lot of opportunities. And according to the reports, they could be making some moves this week. Tomorrow, Derek Kramer is going to join us to talk draft philosophy, who we do and don't like, what the Pacers should be thinking, best player available, fit, all sorts of important stuff. Draft preview coming Thursday. And of course, we'll talk all about it the results of what actually happened on Friday. You won't want to miss all the draft content this week. I'm on Twitter at Tony R. East. This podcast is on Twitter at Locked on Pacers. Thank you guys a ton for listening. Have a wonderful day. See you tomorrow.